Hi everyone and welcome to the Warfare in Conversation podcast. My name is Olga and I am your host today. So today's conversation is rather a monologue um, or perhaps a conversation with you guys. So I hope you've enjoyed the first episode uh, with Chi from Chi QC. Um, to me it was a wonderful journey to explore his business and I hope to do more of these in the future. Uh, but for today, I thought it would be really fun to reflect personally on 2023 so far and yeah, get a little bit more personal with you guys, um, sort of looking at what interests me, what inspires me, what I have learned so far, what ideas I came across in 2023 and um, answer some of your questions as well towards the end. So I tend to be quite, um, so what I noticed is that I'm quite slow to finish stuff, but very quick to start them, which is something I'm working on actively. But uh, very similarly with this podcast, I sort of launched myself into into launching a podcast. However, um, something like a month has passed and I felt very uninspired to seek out new guests for the podcast um, to push and really force almost a conversation um, with anyone for the second episode. And I thought I would go back to the source and actually have a conversation with myself and you guys. So do a solo episode. And I think that's kind of the first realization that I would like to share with you is that of perfectionism. I almost felt like I was seeking perfection with my podcast and that I had to have the best and most interesting guests and bring that to you. But if I don't have that, I can't progress, I can't move on, I can't release another episode. And I felt like many of us could probably relate to this idea that perfectionism is not just about trying to be perfect but actually a way to ignore challenges to not step out of your comfort zone to not do things that you want to do because you're afraid of um not doing them perfectly and and I just wanted to to get out there and do a solo podcast because it is something that I have never done before and it's not something I don't think I really want would enjoy or am I enjoying we'll see maybe I can reflect on that later on it is a weird experience just chatting to yourself so definitely something out of my comfort zone I feel like with most things I like to enjoy the process rather than the final outcome but with any time that I sort of step up on a stage or share my thoughts with a wider audience through a recording like this one it's not something I enjoy I'd rather do it just for the outcome in terms of sharing possibly some learnings and um, in the hope of you learning and taking away something as well. So that's sort of my first (laughs) realization, I guess. So like I said already, I'd like to introduce certain categories to keep me on top and keep me consistent and keep me focused throughout this conversation or rather monologue. And for today, I have a bunch of these um, so I'll be sort of kicking off with the books I read or rather just a couple of highlights 
from my favorite books so far this year, some podcasts that I either came across this year or I have been an active fan of for many, many months now. My inspiration points, I feel like I have been quite inspired in 2023, so I'd like to share some of these and maybe um, get any of you inspired as well. I don't really want to sound like a self-help guru or anything like that, but I'm asked by friends, family, um, strangers, sort of the big life questions of, you know, how to live your best life, how to achieve what you want in your life and how to be content with your life. Um, so maybe tap into some of those. And finally, there has been some questions around welfare. Um, thanks a lot for, uh, for submitting these and um, as, as well as my PhD journey. So I will, um, I will tap into them as well at the end. So for the sake of time, I will just kick off and I guess I should kick off by saying who am I and what I'm doing and introduce myself, let you a little bit into my world. So my name is Olga, like I said, I am the founder at Warfare. I founded Warfare in 2020, 2020. I was going to say 2020, but 2020 something, but it is 2020. And it was sort of at the midst of the pandemic where I had some spare time on my hands and I always had this itch to start something from scratch, to build something and create. And, and I was already in the industry of fashion and sustainability and it was almost like a natural step to explore this area and build a business out of it and face some of the challenges that the industry is and tackling. And then sort of as I was doing that, I was navigating myself through a lot of change. And I really do believe the universe conspired in a way that I ended up doing a, an undertaking a PhD at the University of Glasgow. And again, sort of building on top of what I am very much interested in, which is fashion and sustainability and this time in the second-hand charity sector in the UK. So looking at the problem from a very different angle to, um, to what I do at Warfare and what I did previously, which was more focused on fashion and technology. Okay, so I guess we can then smoothly navigate towards our categories. The first one being books. So I am a massive reader. I love reading. Um, I tend to wake up in the morning and spend at least half an hour reading I feel like that's when my brain really feels like a sponge and I soak up all the good stuff from the books that I read but equally I like to really devote half an hour or so towards the end of the day to to read um, and that's when I tend to pick up books that are lighter and help me fall asleep and help me ease into sort of a relaxation mode. I have to say I'm not always 100% there, but it's a practice I want to um, continue. So the two, the two books I highlighted here for myself, um, the first one being The Creative Act, A Way of Being by Rick Rubin. So this book is 
a personal reflection from Rick Rubin, who is a music producer out on out in LA. He I first came across Rick Rubin when I was and I still am, but definitely uh, massively obsessed with the Red Hot Chili Peppers as a teenager and he produced many if not all of their albums and I've learned about his craft and his way of being back then and it's always kind of struck and stuck with me throughout and I was so pleased to see that he released a book almost like a constellation of his thoughts and throughout his career his thoughts on the process of creating and what being a creative really means what it means to be an artist in life and the book while it talks about and deals with the creative industries and sort of how a piece of music comes to be or how an artist tends to think how a singer or how a painter um, devotes themselves into their craft I really do think that we all can and should be creative in whatever we do in life. And so I really see creativity as building something that didn't exist before. And it could be building a unique skill that is unique to you. And I've, one, of the, one of the quotes that I took away from the book is, look for what you notice, but no one else sees. And I think that's really powerful. I think we're all so unique um, that we can all tap into that uniqueness and see things through our own eyes and interpret them with our own reality and bring creativity into the world, bring new things into the world in, a, in that extremely unique way. So I really loved, I loved reading that book. I felt extremely inspired just to be more creative on a daily basis whether it's writing an email, can I be more creative writing an email or interacting on someone on the street, being at the hairdresser, being curious, um, sowing seeds, trying things out and see what sticks, what doesn't. Yeah, definitely recommend the book to anyone who feels a little bit uninspired or is just curious to learn about being more creative and what it means to be a creative um, and really tap into that way of being. The second book that I was totally shook by and something that has already changed my life, and I know this, these words sound like a lot, but it is so, so true. The book is In the Flow by Alisa Vitti. And the particular book opened my eyes to my menstrual cycle and the menstrual cycle of all the women uh, who are menstruating, who are in um, the beautiful and unique phase in their life that is um, menstruation. And I feel like we as women collectively try to demonize this part of life. We think that it slows us down and we tend to sort of have very negative emotions towards it. We don't cherish it and we don't, and we for sure don't take benefit from um, this unique opportunity that nature gives us. And so without really giving too much away, what I have sort of taken away from this book is that a woman's body and the way a woman works is not just 
according to the circadian rhythm of 24 hours, where we follow the sun and we have, you know, or we should have been sleeping throughout the night and then waking up full of energy, tackling the day and sort of repeating that cycle day in and day out. What was sort of really eye-opening for me is the fact that we women have quite um, quite a mix of hormonal changes happening throughout the month, which means that we feel quite differently and not only feel differently, but our physiology changes the way we, the way our body behaves changes. So at certain points in our cycle, we will be burning more energy, we will be um, much more outgoing and then at some other parts we will want to slow down and this is sort of a natural way that we should embrace rather than um, criticize and hate. It really changed the way that I approach the way I eat, the way I exercise and the way I think about myself as a woman and what I can achieve with what I have, so the tools I've been given and how really to take those tools and step up my my life really and not enough time has passed for me to really say that I have seen results just as yet but as I am tracking where I am in that infradian monthly cycle of 28 days I start to notice and pick on points where my mood changes and I understand why it changes and that understanding really helps me to not well to, to make the most of it and not to hate myself but rather to embrace those changes and equally when I was trying to push exercises when my body was just completely drained and was giving up now I understand why exactly that is so I think it's a, it's a book full of treasures for any woman to read. What is so crucial to me is to actually pass on this knowledge to young girls and, and children. And, um, and, and I would have loved to know all of this way before um, I had to suffer from period pains or other symptoms. And I'm sure many, many women suffer in different ways. And I know that they do. So it's a, it's a massive, massive... Um, recommend from me. Next on my list is um, or our podcast, podcast that I have been really enjoying. So hopefully this will be something that's really um, interesting for anyone who's interested in entrepreneurship and learning about other entrepreneurs and their journeys. The first one is the podcast by David Senra and it's called Founders. And it's a podcast I have been listening to quite religiously for the last, I would say, maybe six months now. Time flies. But yeah, it's, it's been sort of my top, top, one of the top podcasts that I like to listen to for both inspiration around entrepreneurship, but also just broadening my horizons, learning what other people had to get through in order to get to where they did. So launching businesses, relaunching businesses, failing multiple times, going through struggles, that messy middle. And I really um, and I really recommend this space for anyone who wants to tap into the entrepreneurial um, life. 
the 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 host i love the way that he approaches the podcast because it's about the founder and not about the business it's about their it tends to focus on their background where they're from how did they arrive at um the business and then sort of how did they expand and what struggles they went through it's typically based on biographies so you can also take a lot out in terms of book inspirations if you're into that and yeah, I just feel like it is such a great space to tap into entrepreneurship and business in general. The one that I have recently tuned into more often is the Wellness with Ella by Deliciously Ella. Um, so I have, I am a big fan of the wellness app that Ella has created and I tend to do um I tend to follow a lot of her recipes, a lot of plant-based recipes, but um but also a lot of um the um yoga, bare, pilates, um as well as meditations and guided sort of relaxations as well. And never so much listened to the podcast until very recently and I found it quite refreshing. Um the one that I have listened to just the other day is with Jake Humphrey uh, and I thought that was a brilliant male perspective on wellness and mental health and again very much like the founders they the story of Jake was shared and I loved the I loved always to hear the backstories of um of well successful people people who did interesting things with their life and from that, I also learned about the high performance podcast that Jake hosts. And I, again, not something that I've been practicing and listening to for a long time, but I feel like um, it is becoming one of my top uh, podcasts that I am tuning into at the moment as well. So this is pretty much it. Just for the sake of time, I'm going to move on towards... Sources of inspiration. I don't know how else to categorize these um, elements. It's somewhere in February, I, I felt ill. And it was quite, um, quite an experience, I would say. I was sort of bed-bound for about a week and a half, um, not feeling too well, and almost forced to take a step back and, um, and be a bit bored. Uh, with myself and with my life I you know I wasn't in a place where I felt good enough to even take this time to read many books or listen to a lot of things I was just really tired and and I took a lot of my uh, a lot of the time just to sleep to um, sort of gaze and and think and have conversations with myself it was really interesting because I I live alone at the moment and I'm quite used to having conversations with myself, whether it's me speaking out loud to myself or just in my head. I sometimes catch myself having dinner and finding out that I just had a full-on conversation with myself about something that is going on in my life or something I want to think about or talk about. And it's it's quite interesting. <laughs> I definitely also recommend doing that. Um, but this part, yeah, this, this, this period of 1.5 weeks, let's say, when I was ill has been quite interesting. I I arrived at a space where I wanted to feel 
again, more creative. I actually was reading a little bit the book by Rick Rubin then, um, whenever I felt like it. And so I dug out my um, old sort of paints and two paint brushes and, um, and other tools that I used when I was, I don't know, sort of early 20s, but even earlier than that. And I found this newfound love for painting as a way to relax, but also feel calm and grounded and a, a way to sort of distance myself from the world. I always saw painting as a very creative process, obviously, but as, but as something that gives me this feeling of always being able to patch up and um and sort of restart you know when you are painting oftentimes you would you, you do something wrong or something you don't really like and you can always cover it with an extra layer of paint and fix it and and arrive at something that you actually enjoy and I tend to take that away into my into my life as well so I reconnected with that and that was really fun and um, again emphasizing that idea of perfectionism and that I would get so frustrated when I first was when I first drew a leaf um of a plant and it you know it didn't look anything like the actual leaf. And then I thought to myself, but does it have to look anything like it? Can it not just be um about the process and about tuning in to that piece of paper and that paintbrush and that pencil? And then and then you know one thing that I always think about is what's in my head isn't always going to be translated into the physical. And it's something that I actually took away also from the book of Rick Rubin, is that it's so, so difficult to translate the unearthly, which is sort of your thoughts and your imagination, to the earthly, which is physical. And sometimes we get disappointed because things don't work out the way that we thought they would, that we imagined them they would. And having that... And being at peace with the final outcome of that translation, which is completely lost in the process, is okay. And, and it's very helpful. I found that really helpful. Another sort of part that was reignited in me is journaling. And I mean, we hear about journaling time and time again. We are bombarded by, um, you know, tips on journaling, making your best life possible, things like that, and that journaling will solve all your problems. And while I don't claim it does, I really find um, taking some time out of my day, it doesn't always have to be every single day, but on a regular basis, picking up a pen and a paper and writing or drawing things or sketching or making mind maps of some sort, just connecting with piece of paper through and um, with a pen and piece of paper. I find that really therapeutic and um almost like a way to flesh out everything that's in my head and clear it out and put it on paper. Um it also just to me seems very romantic in some way. I feel like every time I sit down and I start to write it's almost like I'm romanticizing my life. And similarly with, with the painting, it's, it's very hard to describe the feeling, but it's really interesting. And I like the, 
the slowing down and the distancing yourself and almost, yeah, romanticizing your life a little bit. You can write about um, your dreams, for instance, as well, or again, translating what is in your head to a piece of paper, maybe to get some clarity on, on certain things. And ever since being ill, again, going back to that time, I do feel like I have been romanticizing my life way more than before. And I, through the, through the incapability of doing anything, I had this new wave of energy and power to actually enjoy the little things in life, to get myself flowers, to look out the window, put my head out and breathe the fresh air, go on a walk, not really thinking about what's coming up next and what's on my to-do list and things like that. Really so, so helpful to leading a more content life because one of the key things that I live by is actually um, quite a stoic sort of philosophy is only focus on what you can control and everything else that is out of your control is not, not worthwhile worrying about or thinking too much about and what's in your control are your thoughts the way you interpret the reality we live in and 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 the way you react to things and if I react in a calm and romantic sort of way then that's how I will feel that that's the energy I'm going to give out so I feel like kind of combining all of this has made me appreciate life way more than I did prior and yeah I'm really content I don't know um I wouldn't say happy because happy is a another interesting um an interesting term that we can explore in another time uh I don't feel like I'm seeking happiness either way there's so much suffering in my life as well and then so many lessons and challenges but being content also with those challenges and lessons is important and focusing on what I can control. Again, going back to the energy, well, how I interpret, how I receive these challenges and what I think about them, how I portray them. Really, really important. Some, you know, these are sort of the concepts that really uh, keep me afloat and keep me going. Okay, I mean, we've, we're getting really, really deep here. <laughs> Um, but I guess very smoothly again we can move into this second to last category for today's podcast and that is how to live your best life again for the lack of a better way of categorizing um, of categorizing these elements I guess so I have been always pondering this idea of how did I arrive to where I am now and what it means to live a, the best life with the tools that you were given, with, um, with the circumstances you find yourself in. And without simplifying it too much, I really do believe that a lot of it comes down to this idea of being all in 
So a lot of people tend to think about the options they have and they get overwhelmed with the options they have in life. And um, and also following from that is this idea of regretting, you know, going one way and not the other, doing something rather than um, another thing, living here or living here, being with this person or being with another person. To me, a lot of problems get solved when you think about the concept of being all in. So right now, I find myself being a founder at Wearfare, which is a sustainable clothing brand, and then being a PhD student, a researcher, being a tutor for the university, things like that. So these are sort of my choices, and this is where I find myself in, this is what I'm doing, and I find that being successful at these things means being all in on these things. So not really thinking too much about what if, what if I just quit? What if this is not worth it? What if I am getting nowhere? What if um, I should be doing something else? And these are useful questions to be asking yourself. And certainly if you feel like you're you know, miserable, you're not you're stuck in some way, you're not thriving, you're not content, you don't feel purposeful, you don't feel like you're contributing in any meaningful way, then it's important to question that. But if you're sort of ticking all these boxes, and sometimes every one of us gets a little bit stuck or unsure, I feel it's so important to remind yourself to be fully in and committed to that purpose that you've chosen for yourself. And also, every time that I'm sort of creating a new goal for myself, I also commit to that goal 100%. So, so this idea of being all in is really also important when I'm making goals or trying to get, in, in, the, in the past when I was trying to get a new job, things like that, I never really made plan Bs or Cs or, or any other plans. There was always just plan A. I was just fully committed to that purpose and cause and somehow it it worked out well for me. I mean, maybe this is, I don't know, maybe it's it's luck or anything else or other explanations you want to bring. But by all in, I, some, I also mean really committing for many, many years, not just a week or two. It's a, it's a, it's a process that you need to be committed to. And I know that my commitment my previous commitment and me being all in on learning for instance about the fashion and sustainability had led me to be where I am today and without that I wouldn't be where I am today and I know that in the future every time um, that I'm making any sort of future long-term plans I know I have to be committed today to those plans for it for them to even have a chance to um to come to fruition the other sort of really important element in my life that keeps me going is actually seeking failure. And it's something I do a lot uh, when I'm as a founder and as an entrepreneur, as a business owner. I like to fail. It's really strange, I know. But um, I feel like if I don't fail, I'm not doing things, I'm not pushing myself enough. I'm not finding my limits or the limits of the project I'm working on. I'm not learning. I feel like I stagnate the minute I stop failing. 
And so far, I feel like my failures have been my biggest lessons in life. Um, and it's something I would recommend everyone to practice um, on an ongoing basis because failure in, is inevitable. You will fail. Your, um, you know, your, your organ might, might fail or your partner may fail you or anything else can happen in life. So if you can prepare, best prepare yourself for all these inevitable circumstances to happen, you're much more likely to just be content with whatever comes your way and be able to tackle that situation. So yeah, I would say seeking failure is one important lesson from um, sort of business, but also life, life perspective. My sort of third, I mean, I'm pretty sure there's many, many more of these um, ideas that I live by, but one very important one is, um, again, a stoic sort of philosophy is this idea of momentum mori. And based the, the gist of this, something that I always envision is that we all have a terminal diagnosis. We are all, from the minute we're born, we are dying, which is a weird way to think about life. But it is so true. And I feel like we forget on a daily basis that we ex that you know the only moment that is guaranteed is right now. And we don't really know how much more we have of this life. And that, yes, at some point, we it will end for every single one of us. So, and my takeaway from this is just this idea that life deserves respect. Every single moment of your life deserves respect. Every single person you meet, every project you take, um, every step you make, I think that's a song, <laughs> um, deserves respect. And, and sometimes, of course, nobody's perfect, nobody's ideal, nobody can't, you can't, always remind yourself of this rather daunting as well um, fact, but very, very useful when you might be suffering from anxiety of some sort, of um, lack of motivation, lack of agency to be, um, to own your life and to take steps towards what you want to do with your life. And then... Okay, last one, I'll make it the last one, is this idea of imagining who you want to be or who you could be and actually showing up for that person every single day. Um, so this is a concept that I arrived at um, when, firstly, I was reading a book called The Atomic Habits, which overall was an interesting learning opportunity, but didn't really change my life. Um, however, one, one thing stuck with me from the book was this idea that if you want to be a runner, you should treat yourself as a runner, even though you have maybe never run, you know, five minutes consecutively before. Similarly, if you want to stop smoking, for instance, then you have to treat yourself as a non-smoker. If you want to stop drinking alcohol, if you want to change any habit, you want to become someone else, you have to treat yourself as that person. You have to imagine that you are that person here and today, even though you might be deep into um, the negative, negative habits of, of any sort. 
And this sort of then, I guess, along with many other, many other things that I came across, I arrived at this idea that, yeah, I want to imagine who I could be and then show up for that person every single day. So, for instance, going back to even the smallest decisions that I make. So I'm having a conversation with a friend and I'm about to say something. I question myself, is the person that I want to be, would she say that? Is this the way she would speak or is that the way she would interact with another human? And then again, if I ever feel down and gratify myself in not a very positive way, then I think again to the person I want to be and ask the question of, would would that person eat or do this thing at this moment or would they do something else so it becomes sort of a a habit if you practice it enough if you be if you're mindful about it and you're making a conscious choice to sort of reflect on again not realistically on everything (laughs) that we do but at least on some of it I think it is um, a very useful way of living and being and to wrap up, and because I do, I see that, <laughs> surprisingly, I have been chatting for a while. And there has been some questions in around my work, welfare, being a founder, and as well as my PhD from other sources. So I feel like I could maybe combine and tap into the two. So most of the questions around welfare were how I started the business, sort of the idea of basing your business around the values that I believe in and I've built the business on. And I guess the answer here is it's almost easier to build your business on a certain ideal or certain set of values that you know, again, you will be committed to 100%. Um, and then also being open and flexible and agile to pivoting and changing pathways as you learn and as you grow and as you move on as time passes. I certainly feel like a lot has been a lot of shifts have happened for welfare for me personally as a founder since I launched the business, and I don't really know yet where the business will head into. I don't really. I have certain ideas and directions and again this idea of commitment comes into place. I want to be all in on an idea and I feel like I'm close to it so it's going to be a fun ride Uh, but yeah it's I think it helps to have that focus rather than floating everywhere and sort of tapping yourself into too many um, places. Um, and then again, some questions around what it, I guess, maybe from the B2B side. So how does Werefer work with artists? What, um, what are the plans there? And like I said, I am very much looking to, I'm looking for a new, almost a new direction, although not so much because like I, like I mentioned, the foundations of welfare was 
on creativity and working in collaboration with artists. Right now, we continue working with artists, we continue releasing um, limited editions of really amazing wearable art pieces that have been made sustainably and ethically. And it continues to be the backbone of the business. However, I do want to find a more streamlined way of working with artists. I'm looking to converse more with artists to see what the pain points are and how best to tackle um, tackle this, this creative space. So if you're an artist and you want to share your thoughts, I'm very much um, open to conversation and to learning from you. And I guess the journey so far for me as a PhD researcher has been a very interesting one and a completely new experience away from industry and business and entrepreneurship as well. Although, to be frank, a lot of these skills come in extremely handy as a PhD researcher, especially um, one where... Uh, as in my case, you're working with another business or organization. I'm working with the Prince and Princess of Wales Hospice. So that's a, a Glasgow-based hospice in Scotland, UK. And yeah, there is, you're, you're sort of juggling many, many hats as a PhD researcher. I know that no PhD is the same. Every single project will be unique. It also depends on the... Um, the, the school you fall into, the department, the research area, the field of study. Um, but the underlying sort of foundations are there in terms of, I feel like there has to be an inherent interest from you as a PhD researcher or potential PhD researcher um, or academic in general on epistemology, ontology, knowledge creation. How do we arrive at knowledge? What do we know is knowledge? Um, so that's certainly a common thread. The other common thread is your the, the sort of interesting um, combination of your own experiences and who you are as an individual and what you bring into the table, into the, to the research per se. So that's what we call axiology in research. So how does you and your previous values, experiences combine with the issue at hand and create that new knowledge and that magical space that is research. So that's sort of the second thread and I feel like you need to be willing to put yourself through that and you want to be immersed into that process of knowledge creation. Uh, the magic the third sort of magic element is the, the team you're involved in and with. Uh, so that could be your supervisors or your wider team, collaborative partners, things like that. What did they bring to the table? Um, what is the context you're in? Um, what are the unique problems you're facing? It's quite interesting. I always find that quite funny, but I feel like researchers, they create problems for themselves which is exactly what you're doing you're trying to find out gaps of knowledge creating those problems and testing out for them um so yeah it certainly has been a very massive learning curve for me 
um, as, a, as an individual also to understand where, how knowledge, how new knowledge comes to be. And come and sort of translating that into the fast-paced world of, of business and beyond. I am also really grateful that for me, impact has been one of the key things undertaking a PhD. So being able to build impact uh, into that project between the hospice and myself and, and the university is super exciting and motivating. Uh, so I'm happy to also talk about the PhD in more detail. I feel like I can only really touch the the top of the mountain here. Uh, but it is certainly a really interesting challenge to um, to face. I am a third in of the journey and I'm really curious to where I will be and who I will be <laughs> at the end of it. And I guess to wrap up, something that just popped into my head, so I might just bring it in, is this idea that we're always changing. And that change is the only constant, that we're always evolving, we're always flowing. I mean, I don't know, I, I'm, a, I'm a Polish native speaker, so I'm not sure you have the same saying in English, but um, in Polish we would say that you never step into the same river twice, and I never understood what that really meant. And it just means that the river keeps on flowing and... If you come back to that river the next day, it will be different particles. It will be a completely new set of um, particles that you're facing. And in the same way, you as an individual, I am a different person now than I was when I started this conversation. I feel like I've already changed. I've had this experience of talking to myself for an hour and that changed something within me. I'm not sure... What yet? But <laughs> I'm sure I will find out when I sleep on it. I feel like sleep is, is another really important element of life. <laughs> and it almost feels like sleep is a reset button for all of us, which no revelation there. But it's, um, it's like a save button as well. So you're saving, you've done so much. And then if you don't get enough and in a good amount of sleep and good quality sleep, you haven't saved what you have done. So it's redundant. You're not really registering it in your deep in your body somewhere. At least that's how I take it. Anyway, I am definitely going off on a tangent. And this is these additional points have not been <laughs> part of my list. But there you go. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm going to wrap up here. I hope this was somewhat interesting and useful. I'm not sure I will do, I will be doing more of these solo talks. I do hope to um, arrive at a wave of inspiration and and really interesting and connect with interesting speakers and guests from the fashion industry and beyond, bringing you some farther thoughts and learnings as we go through and navigate this world together. But thank you so, so very much for tuning in today. I do hope this was an interesting one and I will speak to you soon.